The MarTech Podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. From advertising to software as a service to data. Across all of our programs and clients, we've seen a 55 to 65% open rate. Getting brands authentically integrated into content performs better than TV advertising. Typical lifespan of an article is about 24 to 36 hours. If we're reaching out to the right person with the right message and a clear call to action, then it's just a matter of timing. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast, a Ben J. Schaap LLC production. In this podcast, you'll hear the stories of world-class marketers that use technology to drive business results and achieve career success. We'll unearth the real-world experiences of some of the brightest minds in the marketing and technology space so you can learn the tools, tips, and tricks they've learned along the way. Now here's the host of the MarTech Podcast, Benjamin Shapiro. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast. Today we're going to talk about identity and education. Joining us is Dr. Americus Reed, who is a professor of marketing at the Wharton School and a brand strategist at the GBK Collective, which is a leading marketing strategy and analytics consultancy built to solve marketing problems in high definition. Co-founded by the Vice President, Dean of Analytics, and the Chair of Wharton's Marketing Department, GBK applies industry-leading academic experience and real-world corporate experiences to every project with clients to deliver practical and actionable solutions to real issues. And today, Dr. Reed and I are going to discuss identity loyalty plays for smart marketers. All right, here's the first part of my conversation with Dr. Americus Reed, a brand strategist at GBK and a professor of marketing at the Wharton School. Dr. Americus Reed, Americus, welcome to the MarTech Podcast. Thanks a lot, Ben. It's a pleasure to be here. Love what you're doing. Love your work. So I'm excited to have this conversation. I appreciate it. I am very excited to have you as a guest on my show. I mentioned in our conversation before we started recording, I've always looked up to the Wharton School. My sister is a Wharton graduate. And so as a kid, I always thought that the smartest people in business had to go to Wharton. (laughs) And now you're a professor there. So uh, honestly, I feel a little intimidated. Take it easy on me, will you? (laughs) Well, there'll be no quiz or exam after this conversation, Ben. So you should be just fine. (laughs) Thank God, because I wasn't great in school. You know how close I was to getting into Harvard? How close? Boston University is about a mile away. (laughs) All right. Well, hey, look, let's talk a little bit about marketing. A lot is changing, not only in 2021, privacy concerns, Apple rolling out new features functionality. Next year, Google is going to be deprecating third-party cookies. There's a lot of changes that are happening for marketers, and it impacts not only the access to data, but also how we think about identity resolution for our customers. This is an area that you specialize in. Talk to me about some identity loyalty plays that you've seen smart marketers implement. Yeah, well, I think to really thoroughly and exhaustively answer that question, Ben, I have to step back a little bit and tell you a little bit about what I mean when I use the word identity loyalty, because it's a particularly specific connotation for that term. And actually created that. I actually coined that phrase, identity loyalty. So that was you. (laughs) That was me. (laughs) Thank you very much. So let me just tell you what that is. Identity loyalty, Ben, is when a product, service, brand, organization, company, et cetera, 
transcends its features to a particular realm in the consumer's life such that that product, brand, service, organization becomes part of who they are. So when I use the term identity loyalty, Ben, I'm basically saying that there are certain products, brands, and other objects, things that are out there that marketers have created that consumers feel so passionate and emotional about. They have taken on these things as badges of identity, as symbols of self-expression. And they have become loyal in the sense that their identity is now wrapped up in that brand, that product, that object, et cetera. So I want to understand what exactly comes about from the consequences of a consumer becoming identity loyal. And so when I've been examining this concept that we're talking about, Ben, and looking at it in the context of what we've been experiencing in the pandemic, what I've noticed or what our research has shown is that when the world shut down in the early March of 2020, what happened was people say, okay, you can't go outside your house anymore, right? What happened was consumers literally were stuck in this new sort of disrupted world. And they were forced, Ben, to think about what's important to me. What do I really care about? Do I need all these things? Do I need the trappings of life, these brands, these products, all this stuff? Do I really need this stuff in my life to be happy? So this kind of navel gazing that's been going on has really amplified marketers' need to sort of have a story to tell about what they do that goes above and beyond these features or just what the product itself will actually do from a utilitarian point of view. So smart, like you said, Ben, smart identity loyalty plays are all about making sure that you have almost a sociological understanding of your consumer and who they are, and then attempting to try to make a connection with them in ways that are meant to increase the likelihood that they will attach some aspect of their self-concept to what you're doing. And when that happens, that creates a lot of really powerful loyalty. They're willing to do things that are basically the nirvana of marketing, right? You think about the consumer who's willing to like tattoo your brand on their body. Why are they willing to do that? Because they're so bought into your narrative about what it is that you represent that they feel that that representation is synchronous with who they are and they want to express it to other people. So there's a lot of power in this. And the really smart identity loyalty plays, Ben, are the plays that have to do with companies that are basically aware of this and trying to leverage it. All right. So a lot to unpack there. And what I like that you said was identity loyalty is the nirvana for marketers. And, you know, if I had to read back what I heard from you, it is the notion that if you do a positive enough job with your brand marketing, building affinity, loyalty, recognition of your product services and, and general ethos, your customers will attach their self-identity along with your brand. I'll give you some examples of brands I was thinking of as you were describing identity loyalty. I think of Mercedes-Benz, and maybe it's there are all sorts of cars, but I drive a fancy car. I've got a lot of self-worth. I invested in my mode of transportation. I think of, actually, the one that came up to mind was Patagucci, which is Patagonia, but basically people that don't buy Gucci want to seem rugged. And for what it's worth, I'm actually wearing a Patagonia sweatshirt and I'm an advocate of the brand, but basically rich people pretending like they're about to go hiking. <laughs> Patagucci. 
<laughs> and even down to Apple and your iPhone. I'm an iPhone person. I'm technologically savvy. These are people assigning some sense of identity to the brands. That's how they sort of classify and think of themselves. So you mentioned that there are ways for brands and companies to start thinking about how to achieve that state of nirvana like Apple, Patagonia, and Mercedes-Benz have. Those are companies that have been around for decades, have consistently marketed in a way that has been, I don't know, similar over the decades. So they've kind of been building the same brand equity for generations. Is it as simple as you just keep doing the same thing for decades and decades and decades, and eventually people start assigning their name to your brand? Or are there ways that you can manufacture this in a shorter period of time? I love that question, Ben, because that's the question I'm trying to help companies answer. Because oftentimes, Examples like Apple will appear in the conversation, the cultural conversation. And some people say, man, what that what a serendipitous moment. How did, were they able to make these little white earbuds so powerful that people are willing to wait in line for hours and hours in the middle of the night to be the first ones to get their hands on those shiny new devices that are inside that box? Do people still wait in line? I know, right? <laughs> for the record, I have a bone to pick with Apple. I ordered my phone in October. It's December. It's it fell off the truck once and it still hasn't got here. There you go. But, and let me tell you, Ben, it fell off the truck and you're still in the tribe, aren't you? <laughs> I called them three times. I was like, where's my phone? I need it. I want it. I want it. I want it. Because there's a huge difference between the iPhone 12 and 13 now. I'm absolutely kidding. <laughs> well, here, you make a great point, Ben. An outside critic of Apple might say the difference between the various iterations of products are not really powerful incremental innovations. But yet, the people who are bought into the ecosystem of Apple and are part of the community, the tribe, I love that word tribe, they are willing to see that new thing in very positive ways. They're wearing sort of rosy colored lenses because they want to look for reasons to continue that relationship with a brand that they are identity loyal with. And so that's part of all of this logic is to say that the identity loyalty creates connection and insulation such that when the competitor comes in and says, hey, Ben, we can get you this Android phone tomorrow and it can basically do all the same things. You're like, wait a second. No, no, no. I'm part of the Apple tribe. I'm on this other team now. Yeah, I get what you're saying, but it's also like the pain of switching costs, the I don't want to learn another operating system. Understood. I don't want to have to re-download all my apps to a different device. And also, there's some planned obsolescence in here, too, in the sense of my phone battery just doesn't last that long because I would consider myself a power user and I just need a new device. It's not necessarily the upgrade. But I do understand what you mean by people sort of assign and they upgrade because they're part of the ecosystem and they just feel the desire to have the latest one. Time for a one minute break to hear from our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. In 1919, John Wanamaker said, half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. I just don't know which half. Well, the advertising landscape has changed since then. And instead of reaching your audience on two channels, you're probably reaching them on 20. Turns out John didn't know how easy he had it. But that doesn't mean that you should give up on striving towards marketing effectiveness. No matter how complex your marketing strategy is, Mutinex Growth OX is the market mix modeling platform that measures the impact of marketing on your bottom line. 
Mutinex's market mix modeling platform calibrates your insights against the latest market conditions so you can make media and marketing investment decisions confidently and quickly. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, your best decision starts here. To learn more about Mutinex, go to mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Okay, here's the rest of today's interview. A special thanks to our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, the marketing mixed modeling platform that makes measuring ROI fast, easy, and cost-effective. Request a demo at mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. More generally speaking, Ben, what happens in this identity loyalty world is that there's a kind of rationalization. There are actually three things that happen when a consumer becomes identity loyal. Number one, they are willing to pay more for the product. And it makes sense because my self-concept is invested in the product. So it's no longer about a price argument. It's no longer about, can I get this phone for cheaper? It's about something else that has to do with me. That's number one. Number two, they're willing to defend the product. So if someone comes out, let's say a member of the Android tribe comes out and trash talks the Apple product, they will defend because their own identity is wrapped up in that product. So they're motivated to respond to an attack on the brand because an attack on the brand is like an attack on who they are. And then lastly, they'll talk about it. They'll be your one man, one woman marketing department for free because their self-concept is so wrapped up in about it. So they'll spend much more time actually praising the brand to other consumers and talking positively about it. I don't think you want to admit that maybe, yeah, the ecosystem has me kind of stuck in there. Oh, no, I'm totally sold. I have an Apple TV, an Apple Watch, an Apple computer, and an iPhone. And you're going to get the Apple car. I have CarPlay. I have a 1994 Ford Explorer. And somehow I got it to be an Apple device. (laughs) So that speaks to my level of dedication to the ecosystem. Damn it, they got me. And I guess I'm a brand advocate for Apple. I'm sitting here talking about all the devices I have on a podcast, but I'm not wearing the Apple t-shirt. I'm not actively marketing other people to use the device. And so where you talk about identity loyalty, I'm thinking more about people that are not only assigning self-worth and their sort of emotional investment to the brand, but they're also serving as part of the marketing department. And basically they have a K factor of more than one. They are starting to refer products and services to their friend and being not just advocates, but also ambassadors for the product. How do you manufacture that? Here's the way that I think about that question, Ben. It's not so much that you're manufacturing it. It's more like you are unlocking it. So humans have this need to express, irrespective of way before the word brand was ever coined, or there were products that had symbols on them that allow us to differentiate between different products or different brands, there was always this need to express like, who am I? And what type of person am I? What are my values as a consumer? What do I stand for? What do I believe in? So that's always been there and it continues to be there. What happens in this context is that the smart marketer that's trying to get to this marketing nirvana is looking for the sociological tells 
that allow this person to say, there's an opportunity to create a community here of like-minded individuals who believe in some value that we can own as a brand or a company. And if we can own that set of beliefs, then we can bring people into this community and they will be loyal to us in this identity loyal type of way. Now, your point's 100% correct, Ben. My argument is never that you can't be successful without identity loyalty. Identity loyalty is, in my view, something that can actually be insulation to add another reason why that consumer ought to be interested in your product. So for example, if you're Levi's and you come out and you make a statement about the Georgia voting rights issue at the C-suite, you're essentially saying like our company stands for a particular political viewpoint that actually has nothing to do with making the jeans. But what it's saying is that if you are in alignment with this particular ideology or value or symbol or set of aspirations or beliefs, then we're the genes for you. So maybe you have a different story compared to like a brand like Wrangler, which may have a completely different set of associations linked to it. So the question is, do I want to tell my story as a brand using these other aspects that go beyond just the stuff I make to try to make this deeper connection with the consumer about how they want to see themselves aspirationally and the types of identities that are most important to them. All right, so I'm going to try to bring this back home because in the beginning of the podcast, I asked you about identity loyalty plays related to changes in data and privacy. And so your definition of identity loyalty was a little different than where I was going to take this conversation, but I do want to try to weave the two together in the sense that if you're doing a good job with your marketing team, with your marketing efforts, advocating what your brand not only does, is about what your products are, but what you stand for, people will basically join your community, join your tribe. So how do you figure out who those people are and if your marketing efforts are cultivating that identity loyalty? If you're a smart marketer, what you're constantly doing is you're doing social listening to understand what your consumers are interested in, in terms of how they want to see themselves aspirationally. There's a phrase I use in my class at Wharton when I teach my consumer behavior and marketing strategy class, ABCD, always be collecting data because data is the new oil. And in fact, the ability to understand your consumer at a deeper level, deep needs, deep psychological wants through various ways to collect that information through surveys, through what they're doing on social media. That's the other thing that links back to your original point from a privacy perspective. And that is the idea that now that we can see very clearly how you are curating your identity across social media platforms, we can actually get a sense of the type of person that you're trying to become. So where you actually had to go out and dig up that information through older traditional techniques of surveying and things like that, now we can actually gather that information much less obtrusively by allowing ourselves as marketers to really understand this entire new spectrum of ways that consumers are publicly creating their own and curating and expressing to other people their identities across these social media platforms. So in that sense, we have an insight that we can see into what people care about in terms of how they're presenting themselves. And we can choose to respond to that in smart ways if we're trying to get to this identity loyalty type of connection. What's interesting about this is that it used to not be that way, right? Consumers did not have these tools to their avails to be able to construct and tell a story about who they are. 
in their social media networks. So now this data is allowing marketers to be just very much more granular and smarter about identifying where are the niches, where are the subcultures, the communities that are part of a kind of latent demand that I can potentially tap in with my offering that can be well differentiated from others that are trying to sell the same stuff exact, uh, essentially. Does that make sense? I think I get where you're going. Are you sure you're not a psychology professor? <laughs> but that's actually interesting because my training is in social psychology, as you probably guessed, Ben. And let's be honest, marketing is applied blank. So the blank could be psychology, sociology, cognitive psychology, economics. Marketing is just applied disciplines that are attempting to understand consumers and to be able to unlock the value that they want to try to get out of a product or experience. That's all it is. As we talk more about identity loyalty, the thing that occurs to me is that often marketers think of their jobs as user acquisition, getting somebody you know from a marketing channel onto a digital property or into the store. And then good marketers will also think of not only once they're in the store, did I get them there, but did they buy something? Did they convert? What's the value of them? The best marketers, the smart marketers are understanding the entire funnel and really think of marketing as a cycle. It's the user acquisition, it's the conversion rate optimization, it's the retention, and then it's the notion of virality, understanding who your customers are and how they think about your brand and how they help you find new customers. There's that sort of holistic marketing that when you get that entire flywheel built, it starts to build on itself and then you don't have to be so reliant on that top of funnel budget expense content production engine you can sit back and take some psychology classes. <laughs> I try to preach this all the time. I love that analysis that you talked about, this notion of a funnel, where awareness, you've got consideration, you've got liking, you've got trial, you've got intention to buy, you've got actual purchase, and then you've got this thing at the bottom called post-purchase loyalty and retention was the term that I think you used specifically. And that's it. I mean, if you're focused on creating a structure that, maximizes the probabilistic inclusion of all these different stages, and you understand why you're losing consumers at each of these stages, then you're able to get to this nirvana that we've been talking about. And you're able to, I don't want to use the word easy, because nothing in this is easy, but it's easier when you have that as your starting principle, this idea that you just described. I think if you're doing demand generation at Apple, life's pretty easy. Yeah, yeah that's fair. But how long can they coast? couple decades. A couple decades, <laughs> sure. But that tells you also, in my opinion, the power of this type of investment, the power of really focused in on really creating something above and beyond just the stuff, and then building an ecosystem that's almost like this echo chamber where all the people who are into it can't get out of it because you're just part of this. It's like the matrix. It's like somebody's got to wake you up out of this world <laughs> and, and break you out of this before you'll hey, maybe there's other things out there that I can try. And sometimes a pandemic can do that, but sometimes it can't because of the power of this identity loyalty concept. The marketing nirvana that we all strive to getting to that state is always challenging. And that wraps up this episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks for listening to my conversation with Dr. Americus Reed, brand strategist at GBK and professor of marketing at the Wharton School. In part two of this interview, which we'll publish tomorrow, Dr. Americus and I are going to discuss whether marketers need an MBA or not today. 
If you can't wait until our next episode and you'd like to learn more about Dr. Americus Reed, you can find a link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can contact him on Twitter where his handle is amread2, that's A-M-R-E-E-D in the number two. Or you can visit his website, which is gbkcollective.com. Just one more link in our show notes I'd like to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, head over to martechpod.com where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. You can also subscribe to our once a week newsletter and you can even send us your topic suggestions or your marketing questions, which we'll answer live on our show. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is martechpod, M-A-R-T-E-C-H-P-O-D, on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, or you can contact me directly. My handle is Ben J. Shap, B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P. And if you haven't subscribed yet and you want a daily stream of marketing and technology knowledge in your podcast feed, we're going to publish an episode every day this year. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app, and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow morning. All right, that's it for today. But until next time, my advice is to just focus on keeping your customers happy. Thanks for listening to the MarTech Podcast, and I hear everything production. Looking to launch or scale a podcast like this one for your brand? Then visit IHearEverything.com.